This time on episode 338 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we'll be discussing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 5, A Trout in the Milk, and your feedback. I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director S.P. I'm Agent Haley. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This show is recorded on Thursday, June 25th, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast lighthouse-wide via www.geeks.live. Come join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Catfish Day. That is a very mean joke. Don't do that online. Don't. That's not a very good thing to do. Yeah, I was going to say, in what sense of the word are we using catfish? It's a good clarification to make. And this is the actual fish, catfish. This is not the internet catfishing and it was made into a national day in 1987 by President Ronald Reagan. And he didn't have anything to do with the Internet. So it is a thing. And apparently catfish accounts for a third of all the fish consumed in the United States. It's a pretty big part of like Cajun and Southern food for sure. There's yeah. various way that you can prepare it. You can bake it. You can fry it. You There's can... one way you should really prepare it. Blackened. No, fried. Deep fried. I'm going to go with blackened. Blackened catfishes. Actually, I haven't had it in years. I haven't had it in a long time either. I think the last time I had it was when I was at Papa Do's. Hmm. But if I was to go out in the wild and catch my own catfish, I would fillet. I fillet all fish. I just don't do the whole fish on a grill sort of thing. I don't think that's a good idea to do with catfish anyway. Definitely fillet the catfish. Did you know? That it's called noodling when you just mm-hmm. reach in the water and grab a catfish yes. with your like you just kind of wiggle your hand around in a hole in the water and the catfish bites your hand and you just pull it out. It's called noodling. I did know that. The idea is not for the catfish to bite your hand. The idea is to get the catfish from the gills. That's the idea. In that case, I have seen way too many people improperly noodling. Yeah, they probably get bit because they don't know what they're doing. I wouldn't know what I was doing. And I would definitely wear like hard underwater gloves, which you you can get. I mean, deep sea divers get them and stuff like that. But yeah, I've got this phobia about getting bit by fish. And it just, even though I'm a fisherman, I just don't like getting bit by fish. And I'm sure they don't like getting bit by you. Fair enough. All right, so (laughs) enough of National Catfish Day. Let's get on for the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in its seventh and final season, the multiple Marvel small screen series, and the Marvel cinematic and comic book universes in general. 
because of never changing your password. If you'd like to tell us your never changed password for purely incidental reasons, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave your password that you've never changed as a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. I hope your password for your Facebook is not 1234. But if it is, anyway, you can find us on Facebook, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. You can be reassured that we will not use your password to catfish people. And uh, tell it to us on Twitter, at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And you can use the same password on YouTube to see our videos at youtube.com slash gonna geek. I'm sure your Amazon device has not collected all of your passwords. After you double check that, you can enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. We have an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to talk about. Have you all watched episode five of season seven? Nope, going to talk about it sight unseen. Wait, that's why we're here? Oh, Oh, see, I time-traveled over a week. I didn't realize there was another episode. So we're going to take a slight pause, let the ladies (laughs) watch the episode, and get right back. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 5, A Trout in the Milk, was broadcast on ABC June 24th, 2020. Michelle, who is the director of the episode? This episode was directed by Stanley M. Brooks, who has six directing credits starting in 2014, including a film called The Grim Sleeper, two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and a TV movie called I Do or Die, A Killer Arrangement. Okay, I'm checking to see if the Grim Sleeper is the one that I'm thinking of. Oh, he did Lizzie Borden Chronicles too. But yeah, the Grim Sleeper, fascinating case, absolutely terrifying. And it looks like I think he is. Yes, it's a documentary and it's really good. All right. So, Lauren, since you have now delved deeper into Stanley Brooks' past and his filmography. It is not, in fact, that Grim Sleeper, but it is based on the uh, actual Grim Sleeper, of which there is a documentary called The Grim Sleeper. Okay, so now you may redeem yourself by going over the writer of the episode. The writer is Eden Bagdachi, who has two writing credits starting in 2016, two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Slingshot, and three episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And remember, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. showrunners for the entire span of the show are husband and wife team, Marissa Tankeron and Jed Whedon. Haley, the title of the episode is A Trout in the Milk, and we often equate the theme of the episode to the title of the episode. So what happened in the episode that is equating to A Trout in the Milk? Well, um, you remember in... Captain America Winter Soldier, he talked about how terrible the food was in his time period. Well, Sousa lived in the same time period, and they used to make chocolate milk by stirring it with a trout. So that's what trout in the milk is referencing. That would be gross. I feel sick just thinking about that. (laughs) I don't think that's what it was about. Pretty sure that's right. Yeah. Lauren, tell me you got something else for me. Okay. I had to look it up to see. I was like, Is this a real saying? We have some weird sayings. Yes, it is a real saying. The meaning, and this is pulled from the site Quora.com, Q U 
D-A-I-R-Y-F-A-R-M-E-R.com. The meaning is that although you did not see the dairy farmer do it, he most probably dipped the milk pail in the stream to water down the product. So not direct evidence, but a very strong circumstantial case. It is attributed as follows. Some circumstantial evidence is very strong, as when you find a trout in the milk. And that was by Henry David Thoreau. Simplify, simplify, simplify. It's my buddy, Henry David Thoreau. Interesting stuff. And thankfully, Colson actually comes out and says circumstantial evidence. So we're good to go for the person that has not gone back and researched it. But we did. So that's what we do. Also, in the introduction, it was probably the most unique of all of the introductions to every single episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know we've had a few, especially this season, but this was absolutely unique, wasn't it, Michelle? Oh, this took me back. I am old enough to remember this style of TV introduction. The theme music, the reading of names, there actually being a song of some sort. It was cheesy. It was retro. It was great. I love they went through several iterations of intros that were in the 70s and 80s. You know, you had the A-team with Mac, you know, doing the thing. And at the very end, you had the cheesy Jeff Ward smile, you know, Deeks the smile as like any episode of Chips ended, you know, with the, the smile and them jumping or laughing or anything like that. Also, The Greatest American Hero ended that way every single time too how do i know this is because i recently watched every single episode of it it reminded me of the mod squad like if you remember the the 70s series the mod squad oh and fun fact when i was looking at imdb eden bagdachi who i just completely flubbed all of her credits said that while they were looking up old 70s cop shows on youtube to try to find inspiration for the intro they found one you know how they always used to be like episode blah 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 and they would read the title they found one called a trout in the milk so that's why they decided oh we have to use this as our title i went into imdb and i put in a trout in the milk and an episode came up of a tv show i wish i would have remembered which one it was but it is on imdb if you google or go into imdb and trot in the milk there are now two official television episodes titled the same thing i didn't think you could do that i thought each individual episode had to be something completely different no that's only yeah there are certain roles where you can have the same name about certain things okay it's from the show the streets of san francisco okay Wait, isn't that the, uh, oh, Michael Douglas or Kirk Douglas? Yep, Michael Douglas. Carl Malden, Michael Douglas, Roscoe Lee Brown, Brenda Sykes. Oh, that is quintessential 70s TV right there. I had a slight. Now, it wasn't exact because it wasn't obviously the same, but I had a slight Charlie's Angel vibe when I was watching it the very first time. And then I caught like different references across the board. So, yeah, I kept waiting for more hair flips. (laughs) <laughs> they should have had Jeff Ward do that too when he's coming and just okay I shouldn't have done that that hurt that hurt oh, oh. <laughs> an on air podcast injury <laughs> yeah Lauren tried to do a hair flip first of all I have about an inch and a half of hair so it didn't work I thought you were going to hold up your fingers and say this much hair <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to measure I'm like how much hair do I have 
so yeah, first of all, that didn't work. And second of all, I did it with way too much effort and kind of, I don't know if it, the pop is going to pick up in the audio. Oh, it was great. Daisy's feathered hair had feathers. Like it was just like feathered and feathered again. It was the shoes, the bell bottoms. All right. So let's go into a couple of characters that we've been following their progression this season. Let's start with May because her lack of emotions is continuing. It's not like she's regaining her emotions. She's just learning how to cope with feeling others emotions. I've got a question. How long does the effect last? Does it differ from like how much contact that she's had or because the whole drunk thing, the contact high thing that she did, she recovered from rather quickly. So I don't think it lasted too long. I think part of it's how strong the emotion she's feeling is. That could be because the guy that she ran into on the street of New York, she went after and then equated those feelings right to Colson too. Yeah, we've seen from our audience eye view, it seems to be not that long, like maybe a minute, minute and a half. But I definitely feel like the after effects of her touching drunk people did seem to last a little longer, but that's also probably for comedy. We'll see where it takes us. I have no idea where it's going to take us. She did get to use it, though. She used it on General Stoner. So talk about that later. Let's move on to Yo-Yo. We've been following her and her lack of ability to use her speed, which showed up again. She was trying to leave Zephyr before it jumped. She only had 10 seconds by the time she was running and she didn't make it. A couple of questions there. If she did have her speed, how would that work leaving the Zephyr and then the Zephyr leaving? Would she snap back to the place that she was standing in the Zephyr to start with and then fall to the ground? Or how would that work? That's kind of how I took it. Yeah. Okay. Well, she didn't do that. She didn't make it out the door. Yeah. It's episode five and we're still not getting into the deal with Yo-Yo. This is something that I've been concerned about and we're almost halfway through the season. But they're definitely going to get to it. It's too big of a thing not to get to. They just did May 1st. Yeah, but now we have an issue with May. Now we have this whole new thing with Gemma and what's on Gemma's neck and why is she confused and how come she needs Enoch and where's Fitz and how messed up is the timeline? I'm sorry, I, I had to not use a certain word. <laughs> you know, and I like Sousa's trying to bring up timeline rules and, and even all of them were just like, don't, just don't. But I'm like, yes. Literally right before he did that, my spouse was watching with me and Scott was like, so if they've changed the past, I'm like, just no, don't don't even bother trying to. <laughs> it works how it works for TV. I've given up. Let's go back to Gemma Simmons, because I want to explore this a little bit more. If you haven't gone back and rewatched the last five minutes of the season six finale, please do so. I did before I watched this season. She is clearly a different sort of robotic person. I mentioned it before on the podcast. This could be indications of a lot of things. I know a lot of people are saying, is it possible that she's an LMD, but then she wasn't affected by the EMP before, like everybody else was, like Colson and the Comic-Con. So probably not an LMD or, or maybe the Zephyr shielded her. I don't know. Uh, that's a possibility. 
it's also a possibility that she is gotten so old that she has done enhanced cyber implants. Remember, we don't know how long it was from when we last saw her to when she came back at the end of season six. And she keeps referencing that it's been a long time. So there is definitely something that's going on with her. We saw the Cylon red glowy back thing that was in the top of her neck. It's just unknown. I'm. Does anybody have anything but speculation at this point? I have speculation, but I feel like it's okay. So first of all, the thing that we saw in her neck has three little dots. And the first thing that I thought of, y'all are all familiar with Scott Pilgrim, right? The comics, the movie. So I don't remember if it's been years since I read the comic, but I saw the movie again fairly recently. Towards the end of the movie, there's a chip in the back of Ramona Flowers' neck. That's that shape. It's the triangle. It's supposed to be like the Triforce from Zelda. But it was something that was controlling her memories. Actually, I think that was in the comic. Yeah. And because agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel in general are not above lifting from other things and kind of being like, hey, look, it's our homage. I wouldn't be surprised if that was sort of the same thing. We know that Simmons has had all this knowledge we've guessed downloaded into her brain, Matrix-like. And I think that what we're seeing with her memory slips is the fact that she has all these memories of one timeline and how it's supposed to go and what she needs to do to get it to go that way. Like, again, to use a different thing, like if you play RPGs, like RPG video games, there's always like quest checkpoint, quest checkpoint. And I feel like now that they're no longer hitting those checkpoints, it's starting to mess a bit with the organic computing there, her head. And the crowd counts have their own predictor, and we're postulating that Fitz is the predictor for the S.H.I.E.L.D. team. So, again, where's Fitz? There's a lot of timey-wimey stuff that is dealing here as well. Although a lot of the comments that I was reading said things like they were glad that they tried to stay true to the Malik timeline as much as they could and the general events that happened in, in Malik's life and Malik's father's life from previous episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually. So there is a bunch of stuff that was broken, decorrected one thing. How'd you all feel about that, about Deke finally taking care of Freddie Malik? I think it's exactly what the Chromacons wanted. My theory is that he had served his purpose and what was going to be in that envelope was a picture of him dead because the Chromacons knew he would do it. I think it was a picture of Mac's parents. That's what I took it as. Well, I don't. The reason I don't think that is because they would have revealed that photo at that time because that's not new information then. So it just states that the Chromacons are 10 steps ahead. They knew that Deke was going to kill. Okay. I think that they knew that Deke was going to kill him. And, you know, given again, this past thing of every time Deke shows up, he's there. He doesn't go really to the other sites. But I do feel like the picture in there was Mac's parents, considering that that one Chronicom said, we're learning from the past. You had the opportunity to take out all of these 
people and instead you traded that for one person because they're family and because of that they're again we see them use it with mac it's his parents or it would be collateral damage and he can't bring himself to do it well then i don't I, again i don't think it's mac's parents maybe somebody else's relatives or something well hopefully we'll eventually see the picture because it does mean something so we'll see what happens with that in the future i think that's a good prediction right there what i was really excited about is not only does enoch join the team but like the first thing that colson says was i'm sorry thanks for the rescue glad to have you back let's go i think that was a great way to bring enoch back especially since last episode we were like you guys are not treating enoch fair at all I loved how they were really worried about him. And then they were like, he's not here at the bar. And where could he be? And then just when they needed him, he speeds up in that car, does that really cool move. And, you know, if you'd like to continue to exist, <laughs> come with me. <laughs> Which is a plan words from from the Terminator. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. Was that entrance the turtleneck? Definitely. But I feel like the entrance was also a reference to the movie Bullet. Yeah, except for it wasn't a bullet car, although it's kind of hard to fit all seven of them or whatever in a bullet Mustang. I mean, you could do it, but you'd be piling it and you need and a Mustang is definitely not the most economical. <laughs> I've definitely on gas. been party to having seven people in a Mustang. It's possible. It's not comfortable, but it's possible. Yeah, I don't know if you could film that. Though. I mean, you got to get the camera the in problem. there. Yeah. <laughs> also, we were still relatively skinny college students. So I'm still scratching my head on why Enoch left the bar because it was the one location that the team knew that he was going to be at. So why did he leave the bar? To get the car. <laughs> <laughs> so he could go and find them, but he would have to know that they were around. I don't know. So many questions about that. I don't think they're all going to get answered. However, the club in what is it now 1972 when they first show up right three 1973 1973 so they've gone from 1931 to 1973 that's 41 years the password to get into the club hasn't changed the entire time we didn't learn about changing passwords until 1998 exactly and then a lot of people still don't do it anyway so that's very true i'll have to watch it again i think colson was just touching the button once and he got the letter to show up he wasn't doing the text thing that we all did i don't know 15 yeah, 20 years ago <laughs> where you'd have Painful to cycle memories. through like if you wanted the last letter c and one you'd have to go one 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 to get the c i didn't see any of that <laughs> just painful painful memories or and then all of a sudden for some reason it, it double clicks for some reason and it's just like really or Crap. like you're trying to get to the next letter and then somehow you end up with like four A's and you're like, why didn't the C come up? The all people who learned how to text recently, you don't know how good you have it. I never want to go back to the dark times of pressing the button every time I wanted to get to the letter. Also, it was like 10 cents per text. Yes. So I've been watching a lot of VHS tapes recently, and most of them, the last six that I've watched are like in the 2002 to 2004 timeframe. So I'm seeing a lot of commercials from cell providers talking about unlimited minutes or unlimited texts and stuff like that. 
that evolved over time that we didn't get where we are today unlimited minutes and unlimited text and unlimited data now y'all remember unlimited calls after 9 p.m that was literally one of the commercials i watched I remember the AT&T rollover minutes commercials where it's like the kids are throwing out the rollover minutes and the mom's like, those are perfectly good minutes. I God, I forgot about that. So the one commercial that I saw recently was that they moved and I believe it was in the BSG miniseries is that they moved the unlimited minutes from 9 p.m. to 7 (laughs) p.m. And so the guy who was announcing it was in the middle of a sorority house. So it was just pandemonium after that because he announced it right as it was seven o'clock. So all the girls in the house went nuts. Oh, also, you used to get to have like your family would be free calls. So you get like five people that you could call for free anytime. And then they expanded it to each network. You could call their customers for free. Oh, crazy times, guys. Yeah. I remember my sister once racked up $300 in phone bills because she was talking to her boyfriend before 9 p.m. <laughs> Ugh, the old days. Yeah, I, I've gone through that with our older <laughs> daughter. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And I can't remember if it was text or call. It was text because she got on group text and it, it was really yep. not her fault. Some of it was not her fault. <laughs> And then they started adding like you could get unlimited texting and it was like 15 or $20 more than the regular texting price. So like a teenager could easily blow that out of the water with the 10 cents a minute or 10 cents a text. And my parents, it took them like three months before they finally just added unlimited texting for all of us. So around the mid 2000s, there was a split on where people went. There was a lot of carriers out there. But Verizon had unlimited text between other Verizon customers. So that caught a lot of people. But Verizon didn't have the early iPhones. So if you wanted the early iPhones, you'd have to go to the AT&T route and you'd get unlimited text between the iOS stuff because that was something that Apple was doing. So you had a lot of people even today that are on their plans with Verizon or AT&T was because of that splits back in the 2000s. Of course, now all change you can convert your phone number whenever you want and that sort of thing but and now it's really easy free and stuff to talk about agents of shield right and why would we do that (laughs) still are people that have flip phones by the way and have to do that thing with the text so just want to point that out it's not gone forever why though and another thing that is not gone forever is General Rick Stoner. We get a cameo appearance basically by Patrick Warburton, who was the voice of the lighthouse. We actually get to see him in person. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, didn't did did I imagine it or did he show up in a little video like at the lighthouse when they first got there I and feel it was like, like he yes. was in like the orientation yes. video? Yeah. Yes. But it wasn't him physically in person. It was a recording of him. Yeah. So then we see him again, and I'm like, ah, it's Patrick Warburton. This is great. And a completely separate character, Patrick Warburton's mustache. It's been a while since we have had a good mustache on the show. He's been to a lot of HR seminars. <laughs> Chastity McBride. Oh, I love that, May. I love that. <laughs> so good. This episode, uh, the season, the season as a whole has been just on fire. But this episode just got me. The last thing I want to talk about is the fact that the Chromicons are manipulating anything. They're changing the rules. They 
Return to the Lighthouse, and it was a James Bond-like film. That was awesome, by the way. Awesome reference to James Bond film and the evil henchmen and stuff like that. Project Insight was a reference to the future. I don't think it's the last time that we're going to get Project Insight, although it might be. I don't know what the Chromicons have in, in mind. And you have the emergence of Nathaniel Malik, who's supposed to be dead. I think he died in 1970, I believe is what they said originally in the timeline. But now he's talking to Dr. Daniel, what was his last name? Whitehall. Whitehall and trying to get the powers from Daisy. So there's a lot of things that the Chromicons have set in motion, either knowingly or unknowingly. They've really sown some confusion into the mix here. Yeah, so we have Project Insight being like 30 years too early. 30? I can't do math. It's a lot early. And then I loved seeing the the old computer and you see the names on it. I was looking for familiar names. And Bruce Banner was on that list. I guess they mentioned Peggy Carter was on that list. Nick Fury was on that list. They mentioned, I didn't read the screen, but there must've been a lot of, I'll have to go back. There's gotta be a lot. I forgot to pause and check afterwards. So we see that we find out, okay, they're trying this again. And we also have, yeah, we have Wilfred Malik being alive. Still, we have Nathaniel being alive. Still the guy who played young Gideon Malik actually does look a reasonable amount like young powers booth. Props to casting department. And something that I was very, very, very happy about when I saw the shield jumpsuits, they look a lot like the comic version with the blue, with the arm thing and the holster. It's just that the ones in the comics are form fitting because clothes are hard to draw. And the ones here are like legitimate jumpsuits like you would have if you're working on a project like that. Yeah, first of all, R.A.P. Powers Booth, because unfortunately he did pass away, uh, just like Bill Paxton. There are some actors that they just can't bring back. I know that the powers that be would probably love to have those actors back, but it's just not going to happen. And I'm glad that they're bringing forward the Malik storyline with the sons now, Gideon and Nathaniel. I don't know where it's going to go. And maybe that's something that we should discuss right after the fact that we saw Zephyr 1 shoot down a rocket launching a satellite. That was awesome. Okay. Scott mentioned this while we were watching, and I wanted to bring this up to USP. Were Atlas rockets launching spacecraft a thing in the 70s? Oh, Atlas? Oh, yes. Matter of fact, I just did a space symposium over on the guineageek.com network talking about Mariner 9, which launched in 1972 on board an Atlas rocket. So, yes. Atlas rockets have been around for a while, and they're great for launching satellites or long missions across the cosmos. Excellent. Of course, they're probably improved over time. They're probably not using vacuum tubes and stuff in the guidance system, but... Plus, they've got, like, Chronicom technology in these ones. Yeah, so I think it's no problem. The fact that they were doing in 1976, the fact that they were doing... Laser satellites in 1976. That's a bit advanced. All right. So that's where we left off. Max says, oh, no, they we've given away our position. They know where we are. What do you guys think is going next? Because we're in 1976. If the Zephyr gets shot down and blown up like the bus was, they still need a way to get to the present. 
predictions. Haley, let's start with you. Well, there's actually a really easy way to time travel to the future, and uh, that's just the slow way. So they could, you know, freeze themselves somewhere if they needed to go forward in time. Getting backwards in time is the tricky part. I guess the only reason why they're not really doing that is because they wouldn't know when to wake up. These are our time travel space bags. Let's us travel through time at the speed of regular time. If only they had somebody who didn't age and could just like hang out for decades. Deke, you know, he eats those vegetables. He doesn't age at all. Uh, Enoch. That's exactly what SP. I mean. Oh. Enoch. Or even Colson, I yeah. assume. Yeah. yeah. Colson and Enoch can work the bar. Everyone else is frozen in the back room. Okay. Yeah, where do you think they're going to store the beers? Just like right on top of Daisy. <laughs> so let's talk about what we, where we think this is going, because now the Chronicons have changed what's going on in the future. You have Nathaniel trying to change his destiny. I mean, he should already be dead to begin with. What do you guys think? Are we going to be in the 70s for another episode? Are we going to leave the 70s or are we stuck in the 70s for the rest of the series? I think it's going to continue. Not for the rest of the series. Yeah, not the rest of the series. Again, we've been doing two episodes in each time period. So this would fit the pattern of another episode in the 70s. That's what I was thinking. But that's just based on previous pattern. That's not necessarily anything. You had two in the 30s, two in the 50s. Where do you think Sousa's going to end up? I mean, he's having difficulties, but he is catching up to things. Although he does probably need a change of clothes. I really liked the interaction with him and Deke because, yeah, if anybody knows what he's experiencing right now, it's Deke. Deke is not in his own timeline. Sousa is no longer in his own timeline. They can bond over the present being weird. I think Sousa is going to stay with S.H.I.E.L.D. whenever they get back to any sort of status quo because he's one of the founding members and he's this is just kind of what he does. I think he's going to feel like he has a duty. Or does he get dropped in like early 2000s with a fixed leg and decide to become a New York City police officer? We talked about that extensively last week. Michelle, you have strong feelings on that. (laughs) Why? (laughs) I mean, he's Sousa. He could do so much. Or you drop him in like the 80s and that's his son who looks exactly like him. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. It's like a great great grandson or some sort of weird like nephew you know it's kind of interesting how sometimes the great great grand nephew looks like somebody it it doesn't have to be like i'm perfectly fine with them to me that's not a plot hole it's not a plot hole it's casting it's hollywood yeah it's not like we haven't had an actor play two different characters of the mcu before we had jim marita in you know uh captain america first avenger and then we had his grandson, Principal Marita, in Spider-Man. I'm going to take this a step further. The actor, Enver. Are we going to see him in a New York City cop uniform in the mid-2000s in this series? I don't think so. I hope not. I hope they do something more. I don't want them to, because this is something we're all predicting. And so I want it to be wrong. Okay. I want to be surprised. He and Deke can go found a new tech company. If it was his son, then, I mean, he could play his own son, I guess. Whatever, mister. I'm my own grandpa. (laughs) 
It's worked in several stories out there. Hopefully not mine. Any other predictions anybody else wants to throw out there? I think that we're going to find out that Nathaniel Malik is infinitely worse than Gideon Malik. We all, I think, or at least I did, kind of assumed, oh, he's dead, blah, blah, blah. He's played, you know, he's taken hostage. Uh, he was drinking milk. Obviously, he's, you know, the, to use a wrestling term, the baby face of the family. And then we see him kidnap Sousa and Daisy. And we hear him trying to get a hold of Whitehall and being like, hey, I want surgically implanted powers. I think we're going to see him do really bad stuff or try to. And his dad's not around to rein him back in. Exactly. I thought it was interesting how Deke all of a sudden really wants his grandparents to get, you know, pressed lemons. <laughs> bump lemons, I think is bump what he said. Lemons. You two need to bump lemons. To which Simmons responds with a thinly veiled condom reference. Which was great. I'm really worried about Simmons. I mean, I, we talked about it already, but I'm, I'm worried about Simmons. So let's. I'm always worried about my little science babies. Yes. The science babies need to have a happy ending. We said that a couple of years ago. Let the science babies have. That was one of the things that we wanted out of this series is to have the happy ending for the science babies. I feel bad that Ian the Costicker, I believe is his name, didn't have a job all year. Yeah, we're five episodes in, and we haven't seen him yet. He was in the first episode as credited, but not appearing, and the IMDb has been without him since. I thought he was a series regular, though, and to not have him for so many episodes, I don't think you can be a series regular if you're close to not being in half the episodes. I'm predicting we'll see him in episode seven. Okay. Because it's that whole... Build up the audience's sense of curiosity, of dread, of protectiveness, whatever, and then bring him in. And I think that, yeah, he's absent for the first half of the season. Second half, I think he's going to be very important, especially as now we are drawing ever closer to the present, to our present, I should say. If they continue to do two episodes in each timeline, that would actually work out. So you had two in the 30s, two in the 50s, two in the 70s, and then you have one where you go through the background of where Fitz is right now, which may or may not include Simmons, and then you carry on with six more episodes, so three more sets. Two in the 90s. Oh, God, be in the 90s. We've got to have all yes. that denim and... Just all denim, head to toe. Yes, all denim. And then back to the early 2000s again, all denim, head to toe. And they could bump into Captain Marvel. They could. At least give us goose. That would be awesome. It would be awesome. I don't think they could afford the CGI for that. But oh, They just gave us a rocket coming out of a river. I think they can give us yeah, tentacles on a cat. That was the whole budget. Yeah. That's my worry. Or they could that... just show him as a cat. Yeah, we just need a cat. Cats are cheap-ish. I can open my door and get a cat right now. And so easy to train. <laughs> I could bend down and pick up a cat. Haley can have one walk across her desk right now. <laughs> it's what the fans want. <laughs> we will continue predictions as we go along because we still have eight episodes to go through. So there's several episodes to get through before we're done with this whole thing. Anything else for the episode before we move on to the feedback, ladies? 
I kept getting taken out of scenes by saying like, oh, the old fashioned beer cans are oh, the old fashioned beer bottles and the wardrobe and the hair and the eight track. Yes. And that one guy skating by on the boom box with the short shorts and the crop top and Sousa being scandalized. Oh, it was great. <laughs> He's going to start getting acclimated right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, next time we are going to see season seven, episode six, adapt or die. I hope nobody dies except for the bad guys, but we'll see next week. We had some feedback over the past week that we want to give a shout out to our listeners. If you want to leave us feedback, we have a Twitter account at Legends of Shield. You can go into our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. You can also leave us a review at Podchaser or email us. And the best way to do that is to email me, StargatePioneer at gunnageek.com. Uh, we got a tweet from Mr. Paracletes reviewing the episode or what he thought of the episode. And he said, Seemed to bring up more questions than anything, especially with the fourth dimensional thinking and the analogy of bumping lemons. That needs to become a turn of phrase. Why not? <laughs> and also on a previous episode, I threw out the fact that we love reading our reviews that we get on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, or whatever you use. And then also there's another site that you can use, Podchaser. And we had Liberty Dude, who is often in our live chat. He's not in here tonight. He left a review for us. He said, this spectacular community of co-hosts are so good at communicating the enthusiasm of their content. I started watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Love the show and this podcast. Can't say enough positive comments about these podcasting agents. So thank you very much, Liberty Dude. And that's awesome that we encouraged you to watch the show. One of us. One of us. And finally, we got a couple of emails from 084. We're not going to go over both of them because one of the emails was sent post when we recorded last week about last week. But he did send one this afternoon about this week and there was a lot in the email there was the whole thing about the timeline so his first paragraph starts off with i feel like all the setup of the last episode really paid off here Souza is adapting the best that he can but there's only so much a person can take before they start to lose it like he did on simmons and deke there's some really fresh out of the ice steve rogers vibe he's putting off I did like the on-screen chemistry between him and Daisy, though. Her showing him that not all tech is bad was a nice moment. You know, the, the phone with the picture, I couldn't help but thinking that that's going to come back at some point. That was adorable. <laughs> what kind of phone did she have? I didn't quite. Was it a, a big Samsung phone or? I think so. I don't know. I don't know who they have a deal with. It's pretty cool, though, that he went in with his fingers and he was making his picture bigger and smaller, bigger and smaller. So yeah, that from somebody from 1931, that is Buck Rogers sort of stuff. I mean, to somebody who lives now, every now and then I'm struck by something my phone does. And I'm like, we're in the future. Exactly. The next paragraph he goes on and says, is LMD Simmons still a thing? I was sure this was the episode where she would reveal it at the end and then lead us into a Fitzsimmons flashback extravaganza next week. But alas, no such luck. 
Still, they're pushing the idea pretty hard with her and Enoch's conversation, despite the fact that she apparently wasn't affected by the EMP in episodes three and four like Coulson was. So it sounds like 084 really wants an LMD Simmons. I don't think she is. She's something more. <laughs> R.I.P. Team Arrow. Okay. His next paragraph goes, it's clear from the writing that they're paying attention to themselves. They're acknowledging mostly everything that reviews and podcasts have questioned so far, which is interesting because this was all filmed last year, written in film last year, including Simmons' confusion with the random timer, the Malik chronology from season three, and of course, May and Yo-Yo's inconsistencies in the early episodes. That impresses me considering this has been in the can for over a year. Ladies, what inconsistencies is we referring to with May and Yo-Yo? Well, there's the fact that we have a certain expectation about how May acts and what Yo-Yo does. And I think we've commented before that they've done a really good job bringing us into the situation where we're like, wait, what's going on? And then showing us point A to point B to point C. Okay, May is acting weird, not because like I was scared of she was really an LMD or something, but because it's a side effect of this thing that happened in the finale. And we're seeing how the fact that she can still somehow feel emotions isn't bad writing. It's okay. No, she is literally only able to feel emotions when she contacts people and then she feels theirs. With Yo-Yo, there's the fact that, yeah, her powers aren't working. It's shaken her up because she's like, I'm only on this team because I have powers. Mac tells her, no, you know, you're a good agent anyway. I was commenting while I was watching the episode. We've seen just excellent and really consistent character progression through the entire series including this one the bonus pack finally the last paragraph was finally i'm hoping not to hear too much mac hate this week in his position i can't say i would have flooded that base with my parents inside even if i was the director of shield preventing a hydra attack at least he had a semi-effective plan b that hopefully won't have too many consequences next week Although I'm sure the consequences will lead to some fun action. I did see the preview for next week. I won't say anything about it because I know in particular 084 doesn't want to know anything about the future. Uh, But suffice it to say, there was some glimpses of what's going to happen like right when the episode starts. Stay tuned for that. And as far as Mac hate, I don't really hate him. It wasn't just his parents. There was an awful lot of people and they didn't know who was Hydra, who was not. And if they had a lot of people in the holding cells, it's going to, it's like the bottom decks of the Titanic. You don't know if you're going to be able to get them out in time. So I think he did a good call, not just for his parents, although that was a main consideration, but for everybody that was in the lighthouse. That's just my opinion. Also, wouldn't flooding the lighthouse mess with the timeline even more? Because isn't that intact in the other? I feel like at this point, the timeline's already been messed with enough. Anything they do now, it's just, you know, go for it. Ah, damn it, Barry. Go wild. Get real weird with it. I know it's crossing the streams, but it just... (laughs) Ah, damn it, Barry. When in doubt about timelines, always blame Barry Allen. Yep. And the thing is, with the CW Arrowverse, is Flashpoint was not even a whole episode. And Barry did all that damage in less than an episode. Anyway. 
Yeah, I don't think any of us here are naysaying Mac's decision. No. No. I mean, even if I was like, is he going to be like selfless and be like, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm never born. But I'm like, that's still kind of a selfish decision because right now you don't have a named second in command. Somebody pick up the slack if he vanishes out of the timeline. I mean, first of all, I would not be able to kill my parents to save the world. Let's face it. I am very emotional. Uh, I get very attached to people. And the guilt of that would be horrible. Also, there's not even any guarantee that that's going to save anything. Exactly. The decision isn't without precedence, even in this season. Because remember, Mac wanted to maintain the timeline as best he could. So he prevented Deke, under Daisy's orders, from shooting Freddie Malik to begin with. So it's within the bounds of let's not change stuff up too much. He wants to shoot down Insight because it wasn't in the history to begin with, and it was 40 years or too earlier, more than 40 years. So 1976, let's do public math, 86, 96, 2006, so yeah, roughly 40 years. I don't like time. Nobody really does as they get older. All right, so thank you very much, everybody. If you want to contact us via email, I do send it out to everybody as soon as I get it. Go ahead and send it to StargatePioneer at GunnaGeek.com. In the meantime, I think it would be fun for us to go out, blow up a satellite that's being launched, and get on out of here. I'm so glad we stuck with this podcast this long. We are getting a great, what's turning into a great season. Can't wait to see the end of it. And I just want to thank our listeners and our viewers for sticking there with us too, because you guys are getting some great television in a summer where it's kind of hard to come by. Thank you to everybody who has sent us your feedback or live tweeted along with us or shared your own live tweet as you're watching we really 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 love reading everything that y'all have to say we love knowing that you love this show thank you thank you so much thank you to the creators of the show for getting this made before the mayhem of 2020 started i really appreciate that and thank you to everybody that's listening for watching along with us yeah thank you to everyone especially my co-host i have to admit i had a bad day at work was thinking about not doing this, but then even like in the pre-show, things started to turn around for me. So, yay. 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 Well, hopefully we'll all get back next week. In the meantime, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Haley. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. See everybody. Bye. 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 Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Wear a mask. Jinx. Stay six feet apart. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. 
The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Oh, no. I am muted. There you are. <laughs> yes, I was on a work Teams call followed by a work Zoom call. And in both cases, I use my hard mute versus the on-screen mute to make it seem like I'm not muted. But I am. <laughs> That's funny. So my daughter got her wisdom teeth out this morning. Oof. Out. And uh, it was her first experience with being out with oh. general anesthesia. Yeah. How'd she take it? I wasn't there. We were under the assumption that there was going to be one person that was allowed to wait in the waiting room. That is incorrect. We found out and that the person had to wait out in the car. So I did not go. Because we didn't want to take more than one person. And apparently, on the drive home, she oscillated from I love you to crying to <laughs> I love you to crying back and forth and repeating things that she had just said several times. I do that under anesthesia. <laughs> and she got home and, and I was asked to go out to help her in. And she, ah, she, it's like she was a, a mad weeping drunk. <laughs> and I wish I would have gotten it on camera, but I can walk. I can read. Leave me alone. I can walk. And we're like, well, oh, no. okay, maybe, but we don't want you to fall. I tend to repeat the same question every like 30 seconds. It's like every 30 seconds, my brain resets for a while. I have to watch 51st States again pretty soon. It's like actually a good movie. Well, in my VHS rewatch, I got through Battlestar Galactica, by the way, in the, in the VHS rewatch, the uh, miniseries, not the yeah. whole series, but this, the 2003 miniseries, I got through both tapes. That was pretty fun. And then the very next tape I picked up, I have no idea what's on these tapes. I don't trust what's on their label, so I just throw it in anyway. Turns out it's the 2004 Super Bowl that I'm watching. Oh, wow. And I just got through the halftime with the wardrobe malfunction. Oh, that was then, wasn't it? That was Janet. wardrobe malfunction on tape? I do. So I am actually going to try to, I mean, I think it's out there anyway, but I'm going to go ahead and try to capture it is the correct term, I, I believe now, record it digitally. Yeah. It's not the best quality, but I'm going to try to capture it. And then if, if you guys want to see it, then. <gasps> A nipple. Dear God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And it wasn't even a nipple. It was no, a pasty. No, it was the nipple shield. It's, mm -hmm. oh no, a piercing. Anyway, so I just got through that. I was like, oh yeah, I remember this now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it wasn't the only reason I kept the tape. I, at the time, loved the Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. We used to like get together when I was still religious and part of Christ crew at my church. We would get together to like watch the Super Bowl and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just a good social event anyway, or we hope it's going to happen again. We'll see. But uh, it's why I kept it, and it's why I'm watching it. I'm not even fast-forwarding through the commercials, because I'm like, okay, commercials, 
are where it's at. And one of the commercials is 51st States. And for Father's Day, I thought about watching it. We ended up watching Father of the Bride. Excellent movie to have with two daughters that are 20 to 25-ish. And <laughs> what was great is my mother-in-law, who's 85, and never really got into movies. She always liked sports in the past, never really liked movies. So I don't think she's ever seen it. She, at the end, and she doesn't remember anything. At the end, she's like, that was a funny movie. Thank you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she just enjoyed it. So. I wish I had kept my video. Okay. I used to tape everything off of TV when I was in high school, mostly music videos, not just music videos, but I had like, a, like, I kind of wish I'd kept it, but it was just boxes full of VHS tapes on their like six to eight hour setting mm -hmm. full of music videos and mostly Backstreet Boys. But yeah, I kind of wish I had kept those and or kept at least one and seen, oh, this is what 13 year old me thought was cool. So I don't know if you've heard, but I think on archive.org, MTV, and I don't know who put it up there. But MTV, there was a bunch of whole streams from MTV in the 80s and huh. I believe some of the 90s too. But if you wanted to get like, watch a lot of that stuff, uh, it's available somewhere on archive.org. You could probably Google it like MTV on archive.org. My jam was a channel called Much Music. It was a Canadian channel that for some reason we got in Laredo. So I was really into like Backstreet Boys and Canadian alt rock. <laughs> at the time so you're really big into let's all go to the mall do i remember that how i met your mother oh the robin sparkles thing yeah. oh i've never seen how i met your mother okay that's fine a friend of mine really likes it a bunch of people i know really like it apparently the ending is disappointing but i lived through game of thrones so just imagine agent hill being a 80s or 90s 90s canadian pop rock star People She's have written fanfic. But the 80s didn't get to Canada until 1993 or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like the decade is never really over until about three years into the new decade. And then Canada. Alan Thicke playing himself on How I Met Your Mother was her agent. <laughs> uh, there, there have been so many MCU fanfics about Oh Maria Hill's secret past as a Canadian pop star. I just assumed it was part of her cover. Right? Hopefully we'll see her again. Who knows? Oh, how do I sound with my brand new mic? Sound good? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, you sound great. Yeah, I've actually recorded some auditions and stuff with it. Oh, I love it. And for the benefit of everyone in the class, you got a... I got a Rode NT1. Not the NT1A, okay. just the NT1. I was wondering about that. I found it on sale. It's usually, I think, about a $300 mic. Yeah, I think I got it for about $250. Yeah. It was on sale a couple of weeks ago for $250, so I saw the same thing. I have been contemplating going that way, but I want to use uh, shotgun microphones first. Like, I want to do the Sennheiser MKH-416, I think, and before that, the Rode NT4, so. Yeah of how i want to do it and then there's the aperture deity i think you sound awesome yeah i i got my place all soundproofed to more or less how i like it i have my cheap 
shield in the back that um it's, what, it's whatever literally catches just sound the sound foam. waves right yeah it's literally i need to like glue some wire to it to make it a bit more of a curve hmm. but i forgot i was going to do that and then walked in here and was like oh i was going to do that <laughs> well i'll be interested to hear the recording and see if it's any better because you were definitely the amount of gain that you need was struggling with the sure sm7 oh yes oh yes i actually remembered this time yeah oh yeah wait that's a clicky button that one's going that one's going that one's going yay i'm so glad i'm not the only person who uses boop as a sound check <laughs> it's a perfectly acceptable boop way to uh do that the boop oh uh, it it was great daisy's feathered hair had feathers like it was just like feathered and feathered again it was the shoes the bell bottoms kitty okay the kitty is yes <laughs> we're having an on-air kitty moment uh, she needs she's in desperate need of attention wow Aww. right across the camera <laughs> all right i think Susa's gonna stay with the team Sorry, there was just a cat anus on the screen. <laughs> Big old cat anus. Uh, but, this is what you get at the live show, guys. Yeah. But um, I'm sorry, I was distracted by cat butt. Uh, I think Susa's going to stay with S.H.I.E.L.D. whenever they get back to any sort of status quo. Look at the kitty. Which kitty <laughs> is that one? Felicity. It's her cat. The original pod cat. <laughs> is she the one that needed the cat? Because you what? said you got a cat a cat. Was that the cat you oh, got yeah. the cat? Yes, Asami is the new cat that I got to be friends with Felicity. Aww. That's Todd. She's locked out, though, because she's more of a... Todd's good. He's a... The fireworks have started, so he's afraid of those. So we've got the thunder shirt. Yay. Fireworks have been going on for a couple months. I know. Mm. It was actually a national news story yesterday. I know. I thought it was just Indiana, but it seems to be everywhere. Which is, yeah. yep. Everyone's been cooped up for a while. They're ready to blow <laughs> up. <laughs> and they've been doing it until like five in the morning. That's the problem. Uh, I think they're doing it throughout the night because I keep waking up and not knowing why. So that would make sense. Started using a, a sleep tracker. So it was about 3.30 in the morning where I got close to waking up, but I didn't. I've been using the sleep tracker for a while. It's telling me I need to sleep more, which I already knew. Which one do you use? Um, auto sleep. <laughs> it's the one that I got. So I got Mary and Taylor new Apple watches for birthday and anniversary, respectively. So uh, Taylor's old one was an Apple Watch 3. And I can't wire a watch all day long when I have it on because I did start wearing the Apple Watch 3. When I have it on, immediately these two fingers go numb, and it's mm -hmm. not the band, it's not the band being tight or anything. It's my nerve damage that it's pain, and then I just go completely numb. So I don't wear it all day long. I can't for work anyway, but I wanted to start tracking some stuff, so I started tracking my workouts with it, and then I started tracking my sleep with it. So it's actually pretty, pretty snazzy. Mm -hmm. I love mine. I've had I have a perfect month going on my workouts. <laughs> crushing it. Sweet. Less perfect on my sleep ring. Is your insurance tied to that or cuz some people no. are? 
No, my sister's is like that. Like she gets a credit on her insurance for having like a health tracking device. All right. Well, I hope everybody has a good week. Yeah. Me too. Okay. Catch you guys later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.